الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين يا رب لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك ولعظيم سلطانك وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبد الله ورسوله وصفيه وخليله وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيرة من أمرهم ومن يعصي الله ورسوله فقد ضل ضلالا بعيدا لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فهو حسبه نعم المولى ونعم الحسيب أما بعد Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters As you know with a considerable amount of pain the Muslims of today and I don't mean your brother here doesn't mean to be pessimistic but looking at the facts on the ground in one sense the Muslims of today need to work on themselves we need to improve our understanding of the issues and we need to improve our actual works and deeds after understanding those issues and we have much information that is flooding our senses that makes it for the average person quite difficult to break through the engineered information we have today coming to add us from all directions add to that the layers and layers of traditions and customs that also retard our effort but to try to deal with these issues we have to go to what may be considered the foundations of our ignorance if you can call it that and one of these aspects of our ignorance is that we have a legacy a legacy of statements and quotes and phrases attributed to our beloved Prophet may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his and this is to be expected if we are 
There's one source of information that shields us from the bows and arrows of forged hadiths. And that is the Quran. And Allah subhanahu because the Quran is as it has been and as it has as it will always be. We have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, we have bestowed from on high this consciousness and we are certainly preserving it. Another ayah says, لا يأتيه الباطل من بين يديه ولا من خلفه The Qur'an cannot be approached by falsehood neither from the front nor from the rear. This is something everyone can go to and everyone should be going to. You don't need to listen to this from me. In the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has many ayat that speak to us about the unreliability of those who say that they are Christians or Jews. And I don't mean their civic character. A lot of them are honest. A lot of them are straightforward. Many of them are more honest and more straightforward than many Muslims are. But what I'm speaking about is a particular character belonging to them that has to do with their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This area is unreliable. An ayah in the Quran says, لَمْ يَكُنِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ مُنْفَكِّينَ those who are in denial those who belong to scripture meaning to the Old Testament and the New Testament and other scriptures who are in denial along with the mushriks they will not surface in their true character of parting from us until clear evidence comes from us. And this clear evidence is the Qur'an that has come to them and to us and to everyone. When they are presented with the the Qur'an, then now we have x-ray vision and see who they really are. Another ayah in the Qur'an says, وَلَتَسْمَعُنَّ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ أَذَنْ كَثِيرًا You will be subjected to listening to those who have been given scripture aforetime and listening to them, accepting what they, can, what they say, which is not authentic, can lead to much harm. Another ayah in the Qur'an, obviously we can't be exhaustive. We can't pick out all the ayat. We can take samples. Another ayah says, لُعِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ عَلَى لِسَانِ دَاوُودَ وَعِيسَ بْنِ مَرْيَمْ ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْ وَكَانُوا يَعْتَدُونَ كَانُوا لَا يَتَنَاهَوْنَ عَمْ مُنْكَرٍ فَعَلُوهُ لَبِئْسَ مَا كَانُوا يَفْعَلُونَ Condemned are those who are in denial of Allah from Bani Israel, from the children of Israel. That's because that's because of their disobedience and their aggression. Another ayah says, لَتَجِدَنَّ أَشَدَّ النَّاسِ عَدَاوَةً لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الْيَهُودَ وَالَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا you will find those to be more you will find those who are more intense in their hostility 
to the committed Muslims to be Al-Yahud and Al-Ladheena Ashraku. So there's enough here, there's enough Quranic medication to take to become immune from the intrigue and the inroads that they have made into our history and into our present. Yours truly here has been approached in the past couple of weeks from different individuals, some of them here, after Jumu'ah prayers, asking, are we to believe that the 10th of Al-Muharram is a day of festivity, is a day of fasting, and a day of festivity. Because this is in some of the books of Hadith. And they will quote a Hadith or two pertaining to the Prophet's arrival when he left Mecca and he arrived in Medina and the Yahudi community was fasting that, at that time and that day. So he asked, why are they fasting? And the information came to him, obviously originating from the Yahudi community via the Muslims, the Ansar, to the Prophet, that this is the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Bani Israel from the pursuit of the Pharaoh. Meaning this is something like the day of the Exodus. And so they fast, those of the Yahudi faith, they fast in appreciation for Allah's help and his redemption of them from what the Pharaoh wanted to do to them. And so in this Hadith literature, it goes on and it says, the Prophet said, we are more deserving of Musa than they are, so we should fast. Of course, this is not an obligatory fast, but this narrative has has penetrated the Muslim psyche and attitude so much that to many Muslims it's almost a an obligation to fast on the 10th of Al-Muharram. The fact of the matter is if we could just put our prejudices aside and scrutinize some of the hadiths in light of our understanding of the ayat in the Quran concerning Bani Israel in particular. Now that's a hadith. What I just explained to you is in the books of hadith. But also in the books of hadith you will find the following. One day, Umar, the second successor to the Prophet, came with some pages from the scriptures of Yahud in his hand, and he sat down in the company of the Prophet reading it. And the Prophet asked, what is this? And Umar explained, and this is what the Prophet said. Now this is a hadith. Listen to this hadith and juxtapose it with the other hadith pertaining to Ashura, the 10th of Al-Muharram. The Prophet says to Umar, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَوْ أَنَّ مُوسَى حَيًّا مَا وَسِعَهُ إِلَّا أَنْ يَتَّبِعَنِي By Allah, If Musa was alive today, he would have no choice 
but to follow me. In another narration of the same hadith, the wording is, لَقَدْ جِئْتُكُمْ بِهَا بَيْضَاءَ I have come to you, the Prophet is saying, I have come to you with a scripture, with a message that is white and that is transparent. لا تسألوا أهل الكتاب عن شيء Underline this The Prophet is saying Don't ask أهل الكتاب about anything فيخبروكم بحق فتكذبوا They may be They may be telling you something that is true But you tend not to believe them أو بباطل فَتُصَدِّقُوا بِهِ Or they will tell you something that is false and you will tend to believe it. Okay, that's one hadith that you we place opposite the other hadith that says Unity only by way of truth. The other hadith that says that the Prophet asked about the 10th of Muharram and the answer came from Ahl al-Kitab. How is he giving us this hadith now? And I'll follow it up with another hadith. This hadith is in Al-Bukhari. On Abi Huraira. For those who need further information. The, the quote of the hadith is, لا تصدقوا أهل الكتاب ولا تكذبوهم Do not believe what أهل الكتاب are saying and do not disbelieve what they are saying Meaning, don't think what they are saying is the truth and don't think what they are saying are lies وَقُولُوا آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ And say to them, we are committed to Allah and whatever He has revealed to us and whatever He has originally revealed to you. وَإِلَاهُنَا وَإِلَاهُكُمْ وَاحِدٌ And our deity and authority is one. وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ and we submit to him, meaning to Allah. This is what we are supposed to say to him. So when when this hadith, which is put in opposition to the other hadith, when this hadith says, لا تصدقوا أهل الكتاب ولا تكذبوهم Then why is it that we are believing in what Ahl al-Kitab said about Ashura. The hadiths that are being quoted here fit into the framework of the meanings of the Qur'an. The other hadith does not. And another hadith for those, because these people who come with these questions are hadith, false hadith intoxicated. And this hadith also is Riwayat al-Bukhari. He says, this is a little longer one, but it is needed because people are asking about this and they need answers. The Prophet is reported to have said, Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, كَيْفَ تَسْأَلُونَ أَهَلَ الْكِتَابِ عَنْ شَيْءٍ وَكِتَابُكُمُ الَّذِي أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أَحْدَثْ الْكُتُبِ تَقْرَؤُونَهُ مَحْضًا لَمْ يَشِبْ The first sentence in this hadith, the Prophet is saying, How do you ask Ahl al-Kitab? Remember, in the other hadith, the Prophet was asking Ahl al-Kitab. He's saying here, How do you ask Ahl al-Kitab about anything and your scripture which Allah has bestowed upon his messenger 
is the most current of scriptures. It hasn't been polluted and it hasn't been outdated. وَقَدْ حَدَّثَكُمْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ بَدَّلُوا كِتَابَ اللَّهِ This scripture is speaking to you that Ahl al-Kitab, they altered the book of Allah. وَغَيَّرُوهُ And they changed it. وَكَتَبُوا بِأَيْدِيهِمُ الْكِتَابِ And they wrote with their own hands, meaning they improvised scripture. وَقَالُوا هُوَ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ And they said it is from Allah. So that they can make a little profit out of that. Doesn't the knowledge that comes to you from Allah, doesn't it forbid you to ask them? Now we're not asking them about nanotechnology. We're not asking them about science. The, the question here pertains to asking them about issues that have to do with theology or has to do with ideology or have to do with history or these issues that we have information from Allah about. And we go asking them. And then the end, the last of this hadith says, La wallah. No, by Allah. مَا رَأَيْنَا مِنْهُمْ رَجُلًا يَسْأَلُكُمْ عَنِ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ A very insightful comment or observation. It says, We have not seen one of them, one person of them, asking you about what has been revealed to you. This brings out the inferiority-superiority complex. You have Muslims going to them, asking them, but when do you have them coming to us and asking us? And finally, to cap this all, and hopefully this will have some type of response to the Umawi, this all goes back to the Umawi shenanigans. They committed a crime. Yazid was a war criminal. He committed a crime and he wanted to cover his crime so that all Muslims are not conscious of the 10th of Al-Muharram. He interjected a story like this to distract from the fact. This is also a narration, a narrative of a hadith by Abi Huraira and Amr ibn al-As. They both have this, these words related to Allah's Prophet. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him. Haddithu an bani Isra'ila wala haraj. This hadith means something like this. Relate the news about Bani Israel and there's no problem. Now this could be understood in two ways. It could be speak about them exposing who they are which was not meant by the narrators of the hadith. Or it could mean you can cite Bani Israel in many of their examples and there's no problems with that meaning it does not it will not conflict with the Quran and the Prophet these hadiths were meant as an antidote to the other hadiths or other hadith is only one hadith these are plenty of hadiths, and as we said, we can't cite all of the ayat.
We can't cite all of the hadiths, but we can bring the hadiths that are compatible with the ayat to debunk an alien statement that is attributed to Allah's Prophet that was concocted during the war crime years of the dynasty of Bani Umayyah against Al-Imam Al-Husayn and his companions and other opposition figures who were against the theft of authority as happened. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed Muslims Brothers and sisters This false information that is still alive and kicking among us today we've had plenty of time to think through these issues without prejudice without reaction and without a superiority approach to it to think about these issues in a calm and in a in an amicable manner this issue lives on today because there is a power center and that power configuration is called Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia in the past 30 40 years or so had much geo religious weight to swing around it happens to be in control of Mecca and Al Medina and the history and geography of the first generation of Muslims and then it has all of this purchasing power they can purchase things that are material and they can purchase things that are mental and that's what they've been doing for all of these years Many people refer to them as Wahhabis or Salafis or Neo-Zahiris. These are three descriptions that are thrown at that very fanatical attitude that clings to false hadiths internally and externally it clings to those Ahl Al-Kitab that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cautioned us against. But recently, that failing kingdom has been running into some very serious internal problems. Those who are the decision makers in the kingdom have realized that the public trend is no longer a solid support for them. The public attitude, even if we can venture and say the public mind there, 
is beginning to look askance or is beginning to take a critical look at those who are in power in the land of the Prophet and in the land of Islam. There is even an expression that has been coined by the average person there. The extremism and the fanaticism is so irreconcilable with human nature that anyone who seems to be show anyone who shows intolerance the word the Arabic word that is said on this occasion and this only demonstrates how far the resentment and the beginning of dislike and even hatred for the rulers there is becoming. The retort is meaning don't don't make the issue a humbly issue which indicates the suggestion here is show some tolerance so show some reasoning that war crime kingdom it's committing war crimes it's easy for us here there's there are no bombs falling from the sky and there are no armies here a short distance away there's no artillery fire but there are people as we speak and Islam these people are supposed to be speaking about ethics and morals where are the ethics and morals when there are people killing people when there is an alliance of economies and militaries and regimes that are disturbing populations in their tens of millions that kingdom and its family rulers they have dealt with all Muslims except their own fanatical circle. They have dealt with all other Muslims either as kuffar or as dalin or as ashab bid'ah, mubtadi'ah. That's the way they view everyone Who's not a, who is not one of them. If you're not a certified Salafi, if you're not a valid Wahhabi, then you're like that. You're either a Kafir, or you're a Dal, or you're a Mubtadir. That includes all of the Sunnis in the world. That includes, includes all the Sufis of the world. That includes all rational Muslims of the world, what was called in history Mu'tazila. Or you can call them, for those who are familiar with Islamic history, Asha'ira or Maturidiya. All of these are kafirs, Mubtadi'a, Dalin. Imagine calling other Muslims Dalin. Let's take uh, the, the in between description. So in the, when they read the Fatiha, اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين All of the other Muslims fit in this last word in Surah Al-Fatiha. According to them, it does. And they take issue with populations. Oh yeah, the whole population is kafir. The whole population of a certain country is kafir. A whole madhab is a kafir madhab. It's not just they have a fight, a picking fights with ideologues or thinkers or individuals or philosophers. 
No, it's not. They take on much a much larger count of people. And what do they do? They depend on bloodshed. That Saudi regime has a history of shedding only Muslim blood. Only. In all of their history, they have not faced up to any aggressor, any colonial power, any imperialist power, any Zionist power. None whatsoever. They are known for their ruthless executions. Not only do they execute, no due process, you think you have a chance in a court of law, don't think about it. And then people, individuals begin to disappear. Three of their own princes belonging to their own family in the past few months who took issue with the dictator, father and son, disappeared. No one knows where they are. Those are from the ruling family. And what are they keen on doing? They want to ignite wars among Muslims. And after they ignite these wars with their with their type of talking, I hesitate to attribute any thoughts to them or any ideas. With their speeches or with their declarations or statements, they want to ignite these wars and then to add insult to injury, then they finance these wars. You see them They've killed Muslims in the past couple of centuries in the Hajj, in Mecca. So they've established this animosity towards Muslims, but they are very, very comfortable with the enemies of Islam. They traffic with them, they intermingle with them, They give and take with them. Recently, you may not know this, but their internal change that is in progress right now, they were told by their superiors, the Zionists and the imperialists, they were told but you have fanatical teachings. You have to show more civility. You have to modernize. So they gave orders. The kingdom sent out orders to its cult to its embassies and cultural attaches around the world. And recently, in the past few months, they burned tons of their own books that they used to distribute free. They used to give out generously books that would cause a Muslim to hate another Muslim. And now on orders from people who think, not necessarily correct thoughts, they think for their own interests. So people who are thinking for their own interests in Tel Aviv and in Washington are telling the Saudi slaves burn these, get rid of these books. So they burn them. Their foreign minister came out with a statement. He said that we have fired, I don't know if that's his exact word, thousands of preachers and khatibs and leaders of prayers throughout their domain, their kingdom. Thousands of them. I don't know whether he's lying or diplomats usually, they don't know how to be accurate. 
Maybe he just wants to please his audience. Whatever the case is, doesn't he think that there are Muslims listening? If it's true, it's a problem. If it's a lie, it's a problem. Thousands? What are you? Uh, are you not that we are in any sympathy with your own creation? You created fanatics, and now you're firing fanatics. From the beginning of the movement of people, in the past six, seven years, people began to move in North Africa, in other Muslim countries. They began to say, wait a minute here, this has gone too far. We want to get rid of these dictators. Throughout all of this, that Israeli kingdom was always supportive of the dictators. To such a degree, after seven years now, the support, <coughs> the, pre, the prior support for these dictators has turned into an undeclared war against Islamic movements and Islamic self-determination. Can they cite for us ayat from the Book of Allah or quotes, hadiths from the Prophet himself to justify, to explain what they are doing? I don't think so. And then more recently, as they are setting the stage for the future, in the Hebrew press, where else? News is beginning to surface that preparations are being made for a visit by the chief Zionist, the war criminal in occupied Palestine, to go and pay an official visit to the Saudi kingdom to meet King Salman. On the 22nd of this month, there's going to be a meeting of Zionist and Saudi officials, or ex-officials rather, from the diplomatic community, from the intelligence community, from the academic field. All of them are going to have a type of get-together in which they, are, they say they're going to discuss improving relations and peace and all of this obviously what they're going to discuss is how are we going to put the genie back in the bottle how are we going to end this growth of islamic self-determination that's what they are going to begin to discuss and the symptoms of their own problems are just beginning to surface. In this past week, someone goes up. I mean, they educated, they trained, they financed fanatics that have been doing their murder and mayhem in countries in Asia and Africa. And now, some of this own, some of their own types, there was an exchange of fire, two guards in one of the palaces in Jeddah were killed, three others were injured, and the person who was, in some news reports, reported to have been on a suicide mission, he also was killed. Seems like the... Uh, The bird is coming home to roost. This issue of women having the freedom to drive. We've seen and heard in the past weeks the same individuals, so-called scholars, Saudi scholars, who just in the years past were speaking against the right of a woman to drive. Now, many of them, of course, those who have not been put behind bars because 
there was a security sweep throughout the kingdom in the past month and many of those scholars are behind bars right now but those who are not behind bars and they still appear in front of the camera and make public statements they've changed they've done a 180 degree about face now women it's a matter of progress moving forward civility adequate ethics and morals to have women now drive cars the same people they were telling us something in all of these years when the official policy dictated women cannot drive and now the official policy changed and now changing with it are these scholars for dollars last week the king of that inshallah fading away kingdom paid an official visit to moscow and we told you last week in the khutbah his son received an honorary an honorary doctorate from one of the universities in the kingdom when the king himself went to moscow he was given an honorary doctorate by one of the academic institutions in moscow they're giving a bad name to the word doctorate and then something else that not many people hear about that saudi regime now is beginning a type of auctioning process in it in which it is soliciting the knowledge and the technology to build nuclear reactors in the kingdom we've heard all of this and today as we are at Jumu'ah prayers all of the Muslims in this country during the time when they are going and performing Jumu'ah prayers the person in the White House is going to give express himself on the agreement that was reached two years ago everyone hears about that no one hears about the client regime in the Arabian Peninsula that now is racing its own self against its own time frame to build a nuclear reactor and some gestures went out to at least two or three countries that I know of China France and South Korea and this doesn't make any news why when someone is building their nuclear capacity and they are subject to Zionism and imperialism that is halal and kosher but if you're doing it and you're independent something has to be done about that and if these masajid and if these manabir cannot contribute to sufficient knowledge for us to see through the smoke screen and the fog of their lies and fabrications then they are contributing to the problem and not contributing to the solution Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'a وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَارْزُقْنَا اجْتِنَابَهُ وَلَا تَجْعَلْهُ مُلْتَبِسًا عَلَيْنَا وَاجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا رَبَّنَا إِنَّنَا سَمِعْنَا مُنَادِيًا يُنَادِي لِلْإِيمَانِ أَنْ آمِنُوا بِرَبِّكُمْ فَآمَنَّا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار 
ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا صل على محمد وآل محمد وبارك على محمد وآل محمد كما صليت وباركت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول 